Blog Talk Radio. After the death of Solomon, God divided the kingdom of Israel into two houses. There were ten tribes in the northern kingdom known as the Lost Tribes of Israel. They were cast out into the world because of their great sin against God. However, God promised in the last days He would gather these lost tribes back to Israel before the return of our Lord. Unknowingly, some of the churches made up of these lost tribes known as the house of Ephraim. God is now calling them to prepare to come back home to the land He gave our fathers. The call to prepare has been sounded. Welcome, Ephraimites, and Shalom. This is your host, Sister Donna Deckard, and this is the House of Ephraim, Cradle of Hope, blog radio on Teachers Tuesday. It is May the 2nd, 2023, and we have an awesome show for you today, but first, we have a word from our And now, from Cradle of Hope are some important announcements for you. This month, from Cradle of Hope is a must-have gift offer, the transition of the church. God has transitioned the church since the days of the book of Acts. Don't miss out on this last and greatest move of God. Jesus Christ is returning for a church full of power and glory. This transition will bring the church forward. Send a gift of $25 or more. Call today and get free shipping if you ask for the Transition of Church gift offer. Call 618-262-2810 or go online at jewishprofit.com. Send a gift of $25 or more and ask for the Transition of the Church gift offer. Welcome back. This is your host, Sister Donna Deckard. I have a few announcements I want to make. First of all, I want to remind all of you that we do have a quarterly coming up in July. That's July 21st, 22nd, and the 23rd. And uh, registration is $25. Online is $30. Check out uh, our itinerary page at www.jewishprofit.com for more information. And I'm telling you, make plans to to attend. You won't be sorry. And uh, <clears throat> excuse me. We also have that Sabbath fellowship available on YouTube. That's uh, with every Friday night with Prophet Mark Reinbold. We have a Wednesday evening YouTube cha- uh, service that's done by myself. We have Blog Talk Radio five days a week. And that's by the late Prophet Deckard and myself on this station and Prophet Gary and Prophet Greg Burpee on the other station on Tuesdays and on Thursdays. All of us are teaching Prophet Deckard's materials. If you are interested, email us at cradle at jewishprophet.com and we will get that information out to you and with the phone numbers, links, times, all that. And um, so today we're going to start a new piece of ministry called God Will Allow What You Allow. God Will Allow What You Allow. Turn with me to Romans chapter 3. 
Romans chapter 3, verse 3. For what if some did not believe? That's a question. Shall their unbelief make the faith of God without effect? It's an honest question. If you are not believing God for something, does that make faith in God non-effect? Does that make the faith of God not effective? Well, it makes it non-effective for you, but it doesn't make it non-effective for someone who believes. You see, God demands faith. It says it takes faith to please God. And when we are in unbelief, we are not pleasing to God. But just because someone doesn't believe God doesn't mean that it's it's not possible. God's word is true. His word is true. We just got to learn to do what? Believe it. Going down to verse 4. God forbid. Yea, let God be true, but every man a liar, as is written, that thou mightest be justified by thy saying and mightest overcome when thou art judged. We are justified by what we say. If you're running around saying, something that is negative to what the word of God says, guess what you're going to reap? You're going to reap what you're saying. You reap what you sow. What are you sowing spiritually in what you're speaking? You know, God is always pressing forward, pressing forward, wanting us to believe that he will take care of situations. And sometimes, sometimes we find that difficult. Sometimes we find that scary. Because we have to step out on, we have to step out on a limb. You know, if you're climbing a tree, before you get on a limb, you kind of feel it. Check it, see if, see if it'll hold you. But when it comes to faith, God demands that you just step on that limb. You get out there where that limb's like swaying in the wind, where you're not sure that it'll hold you. You're not sure that it's got the strength for your weight. You're not sure that you're not going to just, the limb break and you fall to the ground. God demands that we step out in faith. He demands it of us. And he says, if you will just do it, he goes, I'll be there. I'll be there. I'll take care of you. But you see, we have have a tendency to find that difficult. We have a tendency to what? We want the safety net. We want to know, hey, this one doesn't feel sturdy enough to stand on. But what does God's word say? 
I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So you are justified by what you say. And you, that you might overcome when you're judged. We are to be overcomers. We are to overcome the situations that come up in our lives. We are to be overcomers. What, what situations have come up in your life? Think about that. I'm not talking about the things that you cause, all right? I mean, we all have situations that we cause in our lives. Well, we did stupid things that we shouldn't have done. Maybe you went out and you purchased a vehicle that was above your budget. And it put you into a financial bind. And you could have, you actually found a vehicle that was within your budget, but you got your eyes on this other vehicle. It was, it was, a, it was the color you wanted. It was the model you wanted. But it was just out of your reach financially. And as prophet said, you all overloaded your back pocket. And you went and made a commitment, and now you're like, oh, God, help me. And yet you knew the day you did it. You knew in your heart God was saying to you, no, you should get the other car. You should get the other car. Now, sometimes God pushes you into and says, hey, can't you believe me for this car? But God knows where you're at spiritually. God knows where your faith is. And you can't overload your back pocket. You have to learn to overcome those situations that come into your life. There are things that come into your life that you have no control over. You have to learn to be an overcomer. Let's go to verse, uh, or excuse me, Romans chapter 10, verse 17. A few chapters over. So how are you going to get faith? How are you going to get faith for these other things? How are you going to get faith to overcome the situations in your life? So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith comes by you and I hearing God's word. That's how faith comes, by hearing God's word. You can hear God's word by What you speak, when you take God's word and you quote it out loud and you hear it as you say it and speak it, 
I've shared with you repeatedly of of some of the excuse me of some of the the scriptures that down through the years what I was struggling with things and I would find those scriptures and I would read them and I would read them and I would read them why because every time I read them I was planting that seed in my spirit man but you see you also have to deal with the thoughts and the things that you speak that are doubt and unbelief and if you've planted faith it's kind of like a garden you plant you plant the seed, the bean seeds, or the corn, or, or the, the, you plant tomatoes, whatever it is that you're wanting to grow. But then there's the weeds. And if you don't stay ahead of the weeds pulling them out, they will overtake what was you planted. And that's how it is spiritually with what we speak. You read God's word and you're, you're reading his word and, and, and you're speaking it and you're planting it and it's like you're planting those vegetables in your vegetable garden. But then you spend the rest of the day having these thoughts and speaking these things of doubt and unbelief and they're like weeds that come in and overtake. And then you're like going, well, I, I was reading these scriptures and it just didn't work for me. Oh, but it did. Did work for you. You see, whatsoever you speak, you're planting. Are you planting weed seeds? I remember as a kid, you know, right now the dandelions here in the Midwest, they, they went to seed and 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 so there's they had the puffball and I can remember as a kid we'd go pick them and and blow them and watch them float off into the air. That's what most of you have done. You take you take those words of doubt and unbelief and you're just and you just planting dandelion weeds all in your garden. And then you're like, God, it's not working. And he's like. Will you put a watch on your mouth? Will you look at what you're speaking? Prophet Decker told us, you, you know, he said, get a, get a little notebook and make a tally. Every time you speak doubt and unbelief, put a tally mark down. Every time you speak faith, put a tally mark down. Have one side of the paper for, for doubt and unbelief and one for faith. And at the end of the day, look at your tally mark. Are you speaking faith more or are you speaking doubt and unbelief more? And I guarantee you that most of you speak doubt and unbelief more than you speak faith. It's easier. We're used to it. It's normal. So faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You have to reprogram the way you think. You have to reprogram the way that you think about a situation. How do you think about it? How do you think about it? What is your thoughts? I'm telling you, we had, we had such a tremendous time at Quarterly, and God did so many things. 
and he was there, but there's the battle that happens afterwards. There's a spiritual battle where the darkness is trying to steal what you got. Whether it's healing, deliverance, or whether it's or whether it's the word that came forth that opened up your eyes and you're like, wow, but darkness is trying to steal it from you. Faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing the word of God. You hear something long enough, you will believe it. It gets rooted into your spirit. Just as faith can get rooted into your spirit. If it gets rooted into your spirit, what you sow, you are going to reap. What are you allowing to get rooted into your spirit, man? You're the only one that can answer that. Galatians chapter 6. Galatians chapter 6. Seven through nine. Be not deceived. Be not deceived. Do you understand we can be deceived? I was deceived growing up, being taught that healing wasn't for today. I was deceived growing up that we keep Sunday Sabbath, not Saturday. I was deceived growing up. If you want saved, always saved. I was deceived growing up. Them their tongues are the devil. They're not for today. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. This is a principle of God. And he won't be mocked. You keep, you keep sowing doubt and unbelief over and over and over and over. You are going to re- reap what? Doubt and unbelief. You keep sowing. I'm sick. I'm poor. I'm broke. Uh, nothing ever works for me. You are going to reap that. What are you speaking out of your mouth? Does it line up with God's word? Or does it line up with this world? I think I've shared with you about my aunt who was talking to her one day. and I think we were talking about dishwashers, lawnmowers or something. And, and she was like, yeah, she goes, she goes, we always get the women. She goes, it doesn't matter what we buy, whether it's an alarm clock, a refrigerator, a lawnmower, a dishwasher, a car. She goes, it doesn't matter what we buy. We always get the lemon. She goes, have you ever got the lemon? I'm like, nope, never have. Every time I get one, get something, I'm telling you it works.
lasts longer than what they think it will. They'll come and they'll say, how old is this? What? How did this thing run this long? Because I believe God that I'm going to get every bit out of that piece of appliance that I can. That's why. She goes, well, we just always get the lemon. She goes, we went to, we went to go buy a, a lawnmower, and we, and, and, and we went and picked it up, and we said, well, this is, this is probably the lemon. We always did it. What were they speaking? They were speaking that they were going to get the lemon, and guess what? They got the lemon. They got the one that had the issues. That broke down, that didn't work right, that had to be fixed. And right there when they were buying it, they were speaking it to the to the shops that they bought it from. This'll be the lemon. Guess what? You reap what you sow. And they didn't even understand. Tried to explain it to her and it went right over the top of her head. And as far as I know, if I would go ask her today, they're still getting the lemon. They're still getting that one that's going to break down. That one is going to have an issue. They are still getting it. Bless their hearts. Bless their hearts. You see, it's the lack of knowledge that destroys us. Be not deceived, God is not mocked, for whatsoever a man soweth that will he also reap. Verse 8, Galatians 6. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the spirit shall of the spirit reach, uh, reap excuse me, life eternal. What is it that you are sowing? Are you sowing into the spirit or are you sowing into the flesh? Are you sowing that whatsoever I set my hand to will prosper? I've prayed that prayer a lot of years. I've spoke those scriptures a lot of years. And when I started speaking them, that wasn't happening in my life. In the flesh, it wasn't happening. But I kept speaking it. I kept planting it. I kept believing it. And I, did, I quit, quit planting the weed seeds of doubt and unbelief. Until I began to notice that whatever I set my hand to, it prospered. People would come and say, oh, don't do that, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, well, it ain't working that way for me. Oh, you just wait and see. Nope, it's not going to work that way for me. Because my Bible says whatever I set my hand to will prosper. Be not deceived. Don't sow to your flesh. What, what I want. Now you sow in the spirit. Verse 9. 
Let us not be weary in well-doing. See, it takes time. It takes time. For in due season we shall reap if we faint not. How many of you have fainted believing God for something? Because it just took too long to get here. I didn't want to wait that long, God. It's all about God's timing. It's all about our obedience. It's all about us becoming scriptural. It's all about us learning to sow in the spirit. And then not be weary waiting on it to grow. I planted, I planted uh, green bean seeds. And I'd read somewhere where, where they would possibly sprout in three days. Well, that's if all the conditions are right. You know, if there's enough moisture, there's enough heat, they can sprout in three days. But you see, if, if they don't get enough moisture or if it turns off too chilly, they're just going to sit there waiting for the right condition. And I got, I, they've been planted for three days and I got curious. You ever went and dug up your seed? I was being real careful and I was digging and sure enough, there it was. I found it. And it just had this little bitty sprout. Now, fortunately, I had not broke that sprout off. Because if I had, that bean would have been worthless. But I covered it up real gentle, and I was like, okay, yay, it sprouted. How many of us have planted the seed? We have planted the seed. I everything I set my hand to will prosper. And you're and you're just you planted it and then you go and dig it up. God, it didn't work for me. I tried to do this and it didn't work out. God, it didn't work. You're digging your seed up. You're growing weary and you're fainting. God isn't mocked. Whatever you sow. You see, you sowed whatever I sent my hand to will prosper. But then you're over here going, this ain't working. There goes the dandelion seeds. I don't know what's going on. It never works out for me. There goes the dandelion seeds. Just floating along, ready to land in your spiritual garden. God ain't mocked. Whatever you sowed. Oh, you sowed the bean seed. You sure did. He sowed all those dandelions. All those weeds. And they're going to come up and they're going to choke out your, they're going to choke out what you, you spoke of the word. And what is it that you really believe? Do you really believe that what you set your hand to will prosper? Or do you really believe that it won't work? 
what do you really believe? Don't be deceived. God's not mocked. What you sow, what you sow is what you are going to reap. Don't you sow it. Don't you be weary in well-doing. You wait, because in due season you will reap it if you don't faint. If you don't keep planting the weeds, you'll reap it. Luke chapter 22. Luke chapter 22, verse 31 and 32. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. Now, I want you to, I want you to remember something. Remember Job? You remember Job, don't you? Now, Job, it says in Job that, that Satan, the accuser of the brother, Satan came before God accusing the brother. And God said, hey, have you noticed, have you noticed my man Job down there? He walks in righteousness. I've blessed him, and he serves me with a whole heart. And Satan said, oh, yeah, because you gave him all that stuff. You have a hedge about him. You have a hedge about him that protects him. See, when we serve God, there's a hedge of protection around us. And God said, he said, Satan said, hey, you, you let that hedge down. He goes, Job will curse you to your face. I said, no, he won't. I know his heart. He serves me with a whole heart. And so God said, all right, I'll let the hedge down. But you can't kill him. You can't kill him. You let the hedge of protection down. Satan came in, he killed every one of his children. Killed them all! Satan went out and destroyed his livelihood. Destroyed it. So there went his family. There went his finances. And then God said, see, he didn't, he didn't. And Satan goes, yeah. He goes, he goes, let me, let me touch him. And so God said, sure, but you can't kill him. And so he destroyed his health. Satan comes to kill, steal, and destroy. He took his family, his finances, his health. And then here came, here came his friend. Here came his friend. Job, you have sinned or this all wouldn't happen to you. Here came his wife. Just curse God and die, she said. 
And the scripture says that in all that, Job did not sin. He didn't sin. He didn't choose, accuse God wrongly. God was right. He knew, he knew Job's heart. Job served him unconditionally. Job, Job served God because he was God. Not because of his family. Not because of his finances. Not because of his health. He served God because he loved God. And God had blessed Job. And Satan had stole it. And we know the end of the story. God restored to him all that he had lost and more. But here is Yeshua talking to Simon Peter. And he said, Simon, behold, Satan has desire to have you. How does he know that? Because the accuser had come before the father and said, hey, that old boy Peter down there, he says he serves Yeshua. He says he serves that. He says he serves that carpenter's boy. He says he loves God. Let me add him, God. I'll show you. Yeshua says Satan has desire to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. Now, do you know what that means? Whenever girls, when we make we make a a make our bread or make make a cake from scratch, there's a sifter that you put the flour in, and it sifts and gets all the lumps out and the big big pieces. Takes it through a, a wire screen, scrapes it over and over and over and over again. He said, Satan has desire to have you, to sift you as wheat. Look at verse 32. But, thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Yeshua is going to protect Peter from all this. Now, wait a minute. God's going to protect me. Satan can't get to me. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Look at this. Look at this verse. What did Yeshua say to Peter? He said, I have prayed for you that your faith fail not. Yeshua, I've been following you all these years. Couldn't you stop Satan? You prayed for me that my faith doesn't fail? Why didn't you pray and say, no, Satan, you're not going to be allowed to sift him. But that's not what Yeshua did. That's not what God did with Job. God said, sure, I'll let the head down. He'll still serve me. I know his heart. You just can't kill him. So here we have Simon Peter being told by our Lord and Savior, Satan has desire to sift you like wheat, but I have prayed for you that your faith fail not. And when thou art converted, strengthen thy brother. He's like Peter. 
doesn't fail. And when you, when you get to the other side, you strengthen your brother. You strengthen your brother. I can tell you how many times I've cried. I've held the hand. I've consoled parishioners who are going through some really tough times. I've been like, God, I just hate it that they're going to have, that they're going through this. And I, and I can, I, I counsel them, I pray for them, I, I encourage them. And there's times that the most encouragement I can give them is when you have gone through this, you are going to be able to minister to other people who have gone through this. And I'm sure that's not that comforting. But that is what Yeshua said to Peter. He said, after Satan has sifted you like wheat, Peter, you are going to be converted. You're going to be made stronger. You're going to be another person. You're going to grow spiritually if your faith doesn't fail, Peter. And then you're going to be able to strengthen your brother. You're going to be able to look at them and say, I understand where you're at. I've been there. I've done that. And you can do it, too. And this is how I did it. I stood on God's word. That's what Yeshua said to Peter. What do you think Yeshua is saying to you? You're sitting there having a pity party because of what you're going through? Oh, God, help me. Help me, God. You just don't know the misery I'm in. Yes, he does. And he allowed it. He allowed it because he knows you can stand in your faith and he prays that your faith doesn't fail. Prayed for you, Peter. I prayed for you, Peter. You're going to get sifted by weeds. You know what? That, I think about that. That means that he was going to be just just every little area of his life. Well, think about it. What happened to Peter? Peter said, God, he said, Yeshua told him, he said, hey, the scripture says that, that God is going to smite the shepherd and, and everybody's going to scatter. And he said, and he said, all of you, he said, all of you disciples are going to be offended tonight. And Peter said, not me, Lord. Uh-uh. No, 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 not me, God. All the others may offend you, but not me. And all those other disciples said, that's right, we ain't going to. Ain't going to happen on our watch. Yeshua looked at Peter and he said, Peter, before the cock crows tomorrow morning, you will have denied me three times. Peter said, no, no, no. 
Jesus, what happened? Peter denied him the first time. Now, I would have thought that that first time, Peter would have thought to himself, oh, he said three times, I got I to gotta really put a watch on my mouth here. The hours went by. Let me tell you something. Those disciples were scared. They didn't know what they weren't going to be captured and beat themselves. They were afraid. And what does fear do? Fear causes us to make bad judgment calls. And sure enough, Peter denied the Lord the second time. I bet he was standing there going, oh, wow, I did it again. Okay, well, it's not going to happen the third time. I'm telling you, I'm good to go. I'm on my toes now. That ain't going to happen again. But he had fear, not faith. Sure enough, he denied the Savior the third time. And he said he, he went out and wept sorely. He didn't think he would deny him. But the fear, the fear and the trying to protect his own flesh, he denied our Lord and Savior three times. And the clock crew. And he wept sorely. Yeshua said, Peter, when you are converted, strengthen the brethren. Peter went through a conversion after denying our Lord and Savior. He went through a conversion. I'm telling you, after that Holy Ghost came, he got filled with the Holy Ghost. With the evidence of speaking in tongues, we see a Peter that, that's not fearful and hunkering down. No, we see a man who's bold and he stood before the authorities and said, Who should we obey, God or you? We're going to obey God. And the authorities said, No more preaching in that name, Peter. Peter's like, I don't care what you have to say. I'm going to obey God. He had been converted. Sometimes we go through things and it makes us stronger. Peter got, got stronger because of that. And Yeshua said, I, I didn't pray for it not to happen. I prayed that your faith not fail. And after you went through it, after you walked through it, Peter, you strengthened your brother. And why? Because we all have to walk through the trials in our lives. Every one of us. We have to walk through them by faith. That word desired. 
means demanded. Satan demanded to have Peter and to sift him as wheat. And Yeshua said, I didn't tell him he couldn't. Nope. I prayed for your faith. God has done all that he's going to do for mankind. He's already done it. Yeshua went to the cross and he said, it is finished. He did it all. He went to the cross for your salvation. He went to the cross for your peace. He went to the cross for your healing. It is done. You have mental health, you have physical health, and you have spiritual health because he went to the cross and finished it. Well, Sister Donna, I have mental issues. Why? Why? Why do you have mental issues? Because it's thinking, thinking, that's why. Because you're not about what the word has to say. You're not thinking that Yeshua had stripes on his back to give you peace. And instead, what do you do? You worry yourself into a mental state. You have pity parties because Things aren't going the way you want them to go. How do I know that? I've had pity parties in the past. God doesn't join the pity parties. Because it's finished. He did everything he's going to do. It's time for me and you to get into the word. And I remember, I I was a teenager in high school. I was depressed. Our our little school of about 120 students in the whole high school had been consolidated with the big school in, in the neighboring town. And now I was part of a class of, I think it was a, when I graduated, there was 296 of us. More than doubled my class compared to the whole school where I'd went. I was in the big school. It had been a community fight for years. I had heard all the, all the reasons why we shouldn't consolidate. My dad was on the school board when it first started. I'd heard mom and dad talk about it. There was drugs in that school. And there was this, and there was that, and, and they didn't want their daughters, and they didn't want them to go to that school, and yet it consolidated, and I, as a sophomore, was going to the big school in the neighboring town. And I began to feel sorry for myself. I began to have pity parties. And depression, depression came upon me. I didn't even know. Mom and dad didn't know what it was. They, they said I came home. I, 
whatever chores I had to do, I'd do them, and then I'd sit down on the chair and just fall asleep. I wouldn't talk. I barely ate. And they didn't know what to do with me. And that depression went on for two years. And then I was a senior in high school. And I got to thinking, I'm an upperclassman. Everybody else, except for the, the students in my class, everybody else were underclassmen. They were freshmen, sophomore, juniors. I was a senior. I was the oldest of the classes. And I thought, I need to have a good time. I need to enjoy myself. You remember Prophet said the best deliverances are those where you deliver yourself. Nobody prayed for me. Nobody cast that spirit of depression out. I made a quality decision. I was going to be happy. I couldn't change where I was going to school. And I decided that I was going to make friends with as many of those underclassmen as I could and help them have a good time. And I came out of that depression. Came out of it. And I had a grand time my senior year. And later on, I thought, you know, I wasted two whole years of my high school time feeling sorry for me because something out of my control, out of my parents' control, didn't suit me. God doesn't play with your pity party. God doesn't care. Yeshua didn't say, I told Satan not to bother you, Peter. I told Satan, no, you're not going to have him. He's Peter. I need him. Nope, that's not what he did. He said, Peter, I prayed your faith don't fail. I pray your faith doesn't fail, Peter. He said, it's finished. Turn to me to John chapter 19, verse 30. When Yeshua, therefore, had received the vinegar, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up the ghost. What was finished? What he came here to do what he was predestined to do, to die on that cross, to become the sacrificial lamb, the entirety. Of God's kingdom, we have inherited. We have to take it. We have to learn about it. And we have to walk in it. Had to learn to walk in faith. And that 
takes time. That takes time. But God demands that we do that. That's what Torah is all about. It's about how we can attain what is given to us. Let's go to Hosea, chapter 4, verse 6. Hosea 4, 6. My people, my people, say, I'm God's very people. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Because thou hast rejected knowledge, I also will reject you, that thou shall be no priest to me, seest thou hast forgotten the law of thy God. I also will forget thy children. Whoa! Whoa! God, that's hard. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. My aunt has the lemon because she doesn't understand speaking faith, even though they go to church every week. And yet they speak over every new thing they get. This will be the lemon. They're destroyed for lack of knowledge. Because they have rejected the word, the knowledge of Torah that says, I have the, everything I put my hand to will prosper. That's what Torah says. But they rejected it. God said, I'll reject you. I'll let you have the women and you want the women every time. And I want you to look at the bottom part of this. I'm telling you, I remember when Prophet, I remember when Prophet did the interpretation of this years and years and years ago. Seeing thou has forgotten the law of thy God. Has America forgotten the law of God? Has America forgotten the law of God? Yeah. We're going to let the homosexuals have rights. We, were, we allowed abortion for years, and now that they have, have turned that, people are just screaming about it. Unfair, unfair, because thou hast forgotten the law of thy God. Now listen what God said. He didn't say, I'll forget you. No, he said, I will also forget your children. Prophet saw the vision. The shooting in Columbine in Oklahoma that very first time that there was a shooting in school. He saw it in a vision. It woke him up and it and and it it horrified him. He was in Colorado and he, he was flying home that day and he got to his layover and there on the TV there on the TV was pictures of what he saw in the vision. 
God said, because they have forgot my law, I will forget their children. How many? I think I read an article, and and I don't remember what it was, but there had already been 119 mass killings this year. And that was quite a while ago. And we screamed, gun control! No! It's the law of God! Because we forgot the law of God, God will forget our children. And they die. We are destroyed for lack of knowledge. We are destroyed for lack of knowledge. I'm out of time. Father, I just come before you right now. I lift up all those who are listening. Father, I pray for them that they, they will use faith. They will speak your word, that their faith will not fail, Father. In the name of Yeshua. In the mighty name of Yeshua. Amen. I want to thank you for tuning in, and I want to remind you that with God, our God, all things are possible. Shalom.